Let's open the word of the Lord to John chapter 15, verse 19. And I'm going to also read other verses, but we'll just start with that one. I want to talk to you a couple of minutes during this uh, Thanksgiving week. Uh, we're, we're beginning a week where there are going to be a lot of emotions, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenges. Uh, in the midst of all the celebration, we're going to be meeting people that we don't meet during the year many times. We're going to have opportunities to share our faith. So my, my topic today is, what do we really want? What do we really want? John chapter 15, verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Huh, interesting that Jesus would have said that 2,000 years ago. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. The word of the Lord reads as follows. For Demas has forsaken me. That was one of Paul's tra companions, traveling companions. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he has departed to Thessalonica. Crescens to, for Galatia and Titus for Dalmatia. Father, thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might see, uh, Lord God, by the light of your Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, the true condition of this world, and uh, Father, that we might be able to see what you have already done for us, and uh, Lord, that we might be able to uh, walk in this journey, in this lifetime, uh, Lord, uh, strengthened by your Spirit, uh, and empowered by your Word, and uh, excited, my Father, to understand that you are with us, you never leave us nor forsake us, and at the same time, you've given us all that we really need here for life and eternity. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. So I read two verses to you that talk about something called the world. It's not talking about the globe. It's talking about the world systems the world philosophies, the cultures that we live in, the cultures that we engage um, on an ongoing basis, when we go to work, when we go to school, uh, our family, because we all have cultures we come from. We all have tribes that we come from. And one time Jesus says, if you were of the world, what he was saying there is you, if you were of the world's system, the system that doesn't know God, the system that does not know God's word, doesn't know his heartbeat, if you were of that, they would love you. And it's true, you could see that today. You could see that in the movie stars, how they celebrate uh, the movie stars, how they celebrate the athletes. Doesn't care how, they don't care how the athletes live, don't care how they act. They could play the fool and they still celebrate them, right? They love their own. The Bible says they love darkness more than they love light. So we as Christians, we have to understand that and settle this, settle this in our heart. We have to be strengthened in our inner man, understanding that there are people that are not going to like you. They're going to even hate you because of your faith. Right. Understand something. The Holy Spirit lives within you. People, when they get close to you, they will sense that spirit. They won't understand why they dislike you. But it's because the spirit that's upon them, see, is unlightened. 
They don't, they, they, their eyes have been darkened. They don't understand why they dislike you because it's at a subconscious level because they're being controlled and manipulated by a system that belongs to the world. See, a philosophy that belongs to the world. You know, just go to Yale, go to Princeton, stand in the middle of one of the areas between buildings where the kids go back and forth, the college students, and start preaching the gospel and watch people spit you. Watch people try to shut you down. See, it, it, they'll automatically hate you because they don't understand. See, Jesus on the cross, what did he say? Forgive them, Father, for they don't understand what they're doing. Right? What did Stephen say while they were stoning him? Father, they forgive them for they don't understand. So we have to understand this by revelation. When a person doesn't like you, don't take it personal. Don't get offended because they didn't like Jesus. They hated Jesus. So Jesus told us in advance. He said, you're not of the world. I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. The flip side is, if we embrace that system, this can actually pull us away from the love of God. Many of our young kids that have been raised in church, they go to these colleges only to come back totally messed up in their minds. You know, and, and we have to be very careful. We, we shouldn't and cannot be like Demas. Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. The world's system. He loved the sin of this world. He loved the attraction of the world. Now, there are several things that uh, we have to, um, to really understand today because they are things that are being thrust at us all the time, and I'll get to it in a couple of minutes. In James chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? See, they'll call us poor. They'll call us foolish. They'll call us ignorant because they don't understand we have the true riches. Riches is not uh, um, a very special fancy car and a home with 10 or 20 rooms. <clears throat> or rather, I could say it this way. That's what you call temporal riches. You could have that today. It could be taken away from you tomorrow. See, the news doesn't share to you how many companies go bankrupt every single year. How many CEOs that were making 500000 uh, one year are selling pizza next year? I, I was listening to um, a 60 Minutes program where this guy, he's actually, uh, he's, he's delivering pizzas. And meanwhile, when he goes home, he has an amazing mansion that he goes to. And they're in foreclosure right now, but they haven't kicked them out yet. He was a, a big roller. He had a lot of money. At one point, he could have been considered a millionaire. But his company went belly up, and he lost it all. See, at one point, he was the man. At one point, people would cater to him. They would kiss his ring, so to speak. So to speak. And today, nobody wants him anymore because they were actually after his riches. So riches are fast and fleeting. That's not the true riches. The true riches is what God has given us through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So here are several key desires that the average person in this lifetime will have to deal with. These are desires that you'll want, uh, that you'll have because they're part of our flesh nature. They're part of our sin nature. And I want you to be aware of them because they'll attack you. Some of them extremely, others very nuanced. That you almost don't realize it if you're not carefully watching and observing. The first one is fame. 
And all of these uh, desires, the enemy uses to try to pull us away from God. First one, fame. People want to become famous. Most of you here want to become famous. You want to become recognized. You want to become the next star. And I'm, I'm saying most of you here at different levels, you want to be significant. You want to know uh, that you're doing something, that you're recognized for something significant. But then there's a prevailing spirit today that the, our young people want to become famous, rich and famous. I want it all. You don't realize that in order to get into acting, in order to be able to be super successful, you have to go through several hoops and hurdles. Most people don't know this. You're going to go in there, you have to sell your soul. You have to give up your, your belief systems. There are things in there. There is, there is witchcraft involved in that. There's Satanism involved in all of that. You want to be famous? We'll make rock and roll stars sell their soul. And it's given to them. They get famous. They're not, they're not even that good singers. They don't, most of them, they look like death warmed over. But yet they're, they're famous and, and all the women want them and all the ladies, all the guys want them. That's today. Katy Perry, she was raised in a Christian church. Katy Perry right now is giving her soul to the enemy. She confesses that herself. She says it straight out. And she's very famous Today. But there's coming a point where she's going to meet Jesus. There's going to come a point that if she does not turn for this, the Lord will say, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Yeah, but I was famous. All the young girls wanted to be just like me. He says, I don't know you. You can't enter into this kingdom. She does not flow with the true riches. So people want to become famous. That's not new because in Genesis 11.4, they said they were building a big building. They said, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous. So from the beginning of mankind, we've had that tendency, that proclivity in us. We want to be famous. We want to be special. We want to be recognized in this earth realm. The greatest men and women of God most of the time have gone unnoticed by the world. But they've, gone, they've done great things in the kingdom of God, and guess what? They're known in the spirit realm. The angelic host know who they are. Heaven knows who they are. Daniel, when it was spoke of Daniel in the heavenlies, he was called beloved in heaven. He was recognized in heaven. And when God had to deliver, guess who he, who he would deliver? He would deliver Daniel. Hallelujah. So who would you rather be famous in or what would you rather be known for? Here that you sell platinum, platinum records? I'm not against that. What I'm saying is many people in order to achieve that sell their very soul. They, they, they push God away from their lives and they think they're big stuff. After a while you start hearing some of them talk. They think they're big and bad stuff. Right now I, 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 my heart cries out uh, for... Uh, one of these actors, oh man, what is the guy's name? Uh, Will Smith. Will Smith, you know he's very famous. And many like him, very famous. But the children, look at what the children are believing now, are confessing, are saying now. The, the kid thinks he's some sort of messiah now, or some sort of very special thing. And many, many, many of these children, and this is just one, I could rattle off a whole list of them. Is that what you want? That's not what we want. That's not the type of fame that I want. That's not the type of, of, of glory that I want. I want the glory of God. Yes. I want the grace of God. I want to be known by Almighty God. Because today, I remember Shirley MacLaine years ago, she would tell everybody, we're God. 
And she would have him chant it. I am God. I am God. The moment she dies, she wakes up. Not in heaven. She'll know she's not God. I'm getting no amens. Now, I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to share something with you as, as it rolls out, you know. You'll see. I'm just trying to point out to you some of the desires and the challenges you will have to go through as a human being. Because all of this, the devil would entice you. Because he enticed Jesus with it. Try it at least. He says, I'll give you all of this. I'll make you famous. I'll make you rich. You know what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because he knew what he was trying to do. He'll try to give you something and promise you beauty and, and fame. But all he really is giving you is death. We will become famous, but we'll become famous in his kingdom. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 9, God had told David, I have been with you wherever you've gone. I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. You will be known in the spirit realm. See, God can give you fame, but I'm not looking for that fame that the world wants. I want, whether people recognize it or not, I want to be known in the spirit realm. I want to be known by Almighty God. I want that day when I bow my knee before Jesus, we say, oh, my son, come, enter into my joy. That's what I want to be known for. In Acts chapter 19, verse 15, it says, And the evil spirit answered and says, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know. Let me prepare the scenario. Here were seven sons that were actually looking at exorcists, people that would cast out devils. They would see Paul and Peter casting out devils. Oh, we want to do that too. So they started doing that. And so they cast, they try to cast out a devil out of a man. He says that we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the response of the evil spirit within the man said this to them. He says, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. So the demon spirits knew who Jesus and Paul, a regular person called of God, right? He knew who Paul. He says, but who are you? They didn't, exactly. They did not recognize who that individual was. That individual had no authority in the spirit realm. My God, my God, my God, my God. In the spirit realm, are you recognized? In the spirit realm, when you, sh when you show in, the devils have to flee. You will be known. You will be powerful in the spirit realm. And this is what's happening today. Today, there is a strong demarcation line. The world is fighting for stuff. They're fighting for goods. They're fighting for influence. They don't even realize that the enemy is mobilizing them to become weaker and weaker and weaker. I say that because the Bible makes it very clear that when we're divided, we're weak. When we're divided, the building cannot stand. When we're united, we're strong. Have you noticed that? Are you, are you pushing aside all of the rhetoric and seeing what's really happening in the spirit realm? Or are you being caught up by CNN, by Channel 7 Eyewitness News? Are you, are you just getting caught up in all of that? Have, have you, are you guilty of even getting involved in some of that? All it's pushing forth, all it's motivating is hate and anger in our nation. I want to be known in the spirit realm. The second thing that the enemy will tempt you with is power. Really, just power. I want to be a powerful human being. I want, when I say something, I want people to listen to me. I want to be powerful. I, I want to be like, like Oprah. I want to be like Trump. I want to be like, you know, a president. You know, I want to be powerful. Why do you want to be powerful? Why? What is power for? 
I lost already half of the church. Now think about it. What do you really want power for? See, power, it, it's, it's almost like cocaine. It's addictive. You want it, you know, because you want to say, you want to do, you want to control. That's a dangerous thing. In Acts chapter 8, verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was some great, uh, that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. He had them all deceived because he was a sorcerer. And he controlled everybody. He controlled the whole community. Whenever the community wanted something, they would go to him. Until the men of God showed up. When the men of God showed up, when Paul showed up and the other apostles came up, they saw, or he saw them healing people and casting out devils. Oh, I want that power. You know why? He had, he had a lust for power. He wanted to control. So wherever he could get the power, he wanted it. And the prophet looked at him and said, I see that you're in a prison. You know, God had mercy on you. I mean, he really let him have it. And this, this poor man went away dejected or he came to Jesus. It doesn't explain more. But the, 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 the scene manifests that he had a lust for power. God will give us power. But it's not the power that the world wants. Most people, they build their, 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 their jobs and their dynasties on people's back. Most CEOs, they'll, they'll use people. Yeah. Are you useful to me? Okay, come. And the minute you're not useful anymore, they'll kick you to the curb. Right. Organized, organized crime uses people to get power. But God sees that, and he will topple that power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Ephesians 1, 15, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. See, we have to have our eyes opened. We have to have the eyes of our understanding, um, how can I say, clear so that we could see what the enemy is doing. He promises power, but in essence, he wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy our nation right now. And we're still walking around in some form of cloud, in some haze, going la-di-da-di-da-di-da. Everything is fine. There's nothing wrong. We don't, we don't understand that we are in a precipitous uh, uh, process. We're just at the edge of a cliff as, even as a nation. Right now, we, um, this, this week, uh, did you see that the stock went up? The stock market went up? Are you aware why it went up? There was no good report. Companies are doing, not doing well. They're cutting back. But yet it went up. You know why? Because code language. If you, if you listen to their code language... The, the, um, the people that lend the money, the federal, uh, the feds, they actually said, we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure this thing does not implode. So we're going to continue to give you easy money. The government just finished getting another loan. You know what they got the loan for? Over a trillion dollars. You know what for? So that Social Security won't go bankrupt. So that Medicaid and Medicare will continue to be funded. We were 19 trillion, now we're going to go to 20 trillion. Is that prosperity? No. They're just, see, it was going to happen this November. There was going to be some form of major correction. But because they don't want it to happen, they guaranteed all the businesses and the big banks, they guaranteed them, no, we're going to keep on giving you more and more free money. That's why we did not go to a major correction this year. And people are saying, oh, everything's fine. Uh, no, it's not. 
Well, let me ask you a question. If you get a credit card and you max it out, what do you do? No, you get another credit card. You get another credit card. That's what our nation is doing. They're filling up one credit card, then another credit card, and another credit card, and another credit card. That's what they're doing. How long could anybody do that? There comes a tipping point, an inflection point where you can't do it anymore. And then comes what? Reckoning day. When reckoning day comes, that's when all, you know what, breaks down, all hell breaks out. I had to say it because you thought you were going to say something else, right? <laughs> so, you know, we have to be very careful to not rely on these systems because these systems are imploding. But yet God allowed people to prosper in every and any economy. Remember Joseph? In the midst of seven years of famine, God had given him wisdom to be able to walk in a way where not only he was able to take care of his family, but he was able to take care of an entire city. Right now, God is depositing upon his people who are listening, by the way, who are listening. Say to your neighbor, it's time to listen. See, when you listen, you'll see that there are strategies even today. There's strategies. There's things that God wants to do in and through us. He does not want us to have to suffer this way um, without any strategy. See, so we need to trust God more than we trust systems. We need to trust his word more than we trust uh, somebody that's promising you right now a 10% return. Not going to happen. I don't trust, you know, these finance guys anymore. I listen to the Holy Spirit. I listen to his word and I listen to the signs that are out there. How many times did Jesus said, look at the signs. Look at the skies. Look at, you know, lift up your eyes. Don't go like this. Look. Be lucid. Praise God. He said, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Say to your neighbor, we have power. God gives us power because we believe. Praise God. And it's a power that he worked in Christ when he raised them from the dead. And he seated them at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. See, Jesus is above all. Jesus is above recession. Jesus is above depression. Jesus is above, you know, nations and turmoils and all this. He's above all. And he's my Lord. And he's in control of my life. These things are going to happen. But guess what? I know the one who has the provision. These things are going to happen. But guess what? He's my father. My heavenly father. Hallelujah. The third thing is riches. Riches. Job 36, 19 says, Will your riches or all the mighty forces keep you from distress? The answer is no. The other day I was reading um, uh, an article of, um, you know, The Rock? Who wants to be like Dwayne Johnson, man? That's the man right there. He's G.I. Joe for real. Are you aware he battles? He battles with depression? The guy's got more money than, than a small nation. And he battles with depression. You see, riches will not take care of everything. It just lets you buy more toys. See? It it, it buys you a lot of love because people love you when you have a lot of money. But it's not true love. The minute you don't have it, gone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Remember Hammer? MC Hammer? This man became rich and famous really quick. I mean, this man, just very talented, very gifted man. But yet, 
when he got famous and rich, a lot of his homeboys, he said in his own word, my homeboys came and, and I took care of them. And I took care of them. I bankrolled them. But when the money dried out, all the homeboys left. And left him with all the debt. Now he's a Christian. He loves God. He's on fire for God. He's a minister, you know. I think he's an associate pastor. And, you know, he's established now a, 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 a great stability in his life. He's financially stable. He's doing well. But he learned from that. He learned that riches are very deceitful. He, he learned that people will say anything to you if they see they can get something from you. You have a lot of friends. But not really friends. They're just people that have an agenda. People that just want something from you. But I'm here to tell you, open your eyes. The one that really loves you is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that gave true and perfect riches to you. The riches of his grace, the riches of his love, the riches of his glory, the riches of his kingdom, the riches of relationship. Amen. Proverbs twenty-two sixteen. He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich shall all surely come to poverty. See, I don't, I don't, I'm not a hater on people that have money. I'm not a hater because I know they have bills I can't pay. When you're riding around in a Mercedes-Benz, I'm not a hater on that. I say, you know, enjoy your Mercedes-Benz. I know at the end of the month, you've got to pay seven, $800 a month for it. Leave me with my little uh, uh, Nissan. I got a Nissan, and I'm paying uh, something I can afford. I'm not going to be going, yeah, I had a friend of mine. He, 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 that thing filled his eyes. He got into, himself into a $750 a month note. And it didn't even last some three months and it was gone. You better watch what you see. Watch what you allow the enemy to entice you. These things in the flesh, we've got to discipline ourselves. Yes, sir. Praise God. My God, I'm getting Praise no God. amens. Amen. <laughs> in Proverbs eleven twenty eight, it says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. So you who are righteous, you're going to flourish. They, they don't see you now. They don't understand, but you're like the, like the turtle. You're a, a, a steady plotter. Steady, steady. Putting your money away. Steady. Investing in right things. Investing in the kingdom. Investing in your family. Investing in your children. Steady, steady. No, I've got no time for that. I'm flying. I'm going here. I'm going there. You're, but you're steady. You're steady. You're steady. The end of your days is going to be glorious. The end of their days is poverty. Because you're going to prosper like foliage. You know what foliage is? You ever seen flowers and in the summer suddenly they all open up and they get beautiful? That's what God says about your latter days. You're going to prosper like foliage. The next thing is significance and acceptance. Something we inherently need. It's a basic need that we have. Ephesians 1 uh, Chapter 1, verse 1 said, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. We're sons of God, sons and daughters of God. That makes me significant. Yes. Does Trump know me? Frankly, I don't care. God knows me. I am significant. I belong to the family of God. You don't do things the way people want, they kick you to the curb. I don't care. They didn't save me anyway. They don't pay my bills anyhow. 
criticize me, criticize this, criticize my haircut, criticize my chivita, <laughs> criticize my shoes. I don't care. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. As long as he loves me, that gives me great affirmation. Second Corinthians chapter 6, 17. In the New Living Version, it says, The Lord has said, come out from among them. Do not be joined to them. Touch nothing that is sinful, and I will receive you. See, there's the acceptance. I'm going to receive you. I will be a father to you. He didn't just say, I'll be your God. He said, I'll be your father. That's different. That what he's saying is, I'll adopt you into my family. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm a stranger, I go to somebody's home, they'll treat me like a stranger. But if I go to my mom's house, she treats me like a son. As soon as I come in, actually, I don't even have to knock on the door because by the time I get to the second floor where she lives at, the door's already open and she's waiting for me to give me a hug and a kiss and offer me coffee, Spanish coffee. Yeah, it's a difference. But anybody else that knocks on her door, she goes to that door and says, Who is it? I know anybody here. Oh, yeah, I know because I, I see her do that. And she opens up, What do you want? I go, Ma, calm down. No, 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 I don't want nobody in my house. She doesn't treat strangers very nicely. But God is not saying, you could come into my kingdom and I'll treat you as a slave, I'll treat you as a second class being, or I'll, I'll, I'll let you hang out somewhere in the outer, uh, uh, the outer sections of the kingdom. No, he says, you'll be my son. You come in and dine with me. Come in at my table and sup with me. That's what he said. You'll be right in my home. You'll be my son, my daughter. I receive you. I'll be, I'll be not only God to you, but I'll be father to you. Praise God. The other thing is tolerance. Tolerance. Tolerance is, is a cold word today. Is people want you to be tolerant of them, but they don't want to be tolerant of you. So in the coming days, you're going to be, yeah, that's, it's a one-way tolerance. And so what's happening is Christians are being attacked in this nation uh, just for being a Christian. You can't bring a Bible uh, to um, your school. You can't put a, a Bible verse on your T-shirt. If you're a teacher, you can't say anything about anything Christian. You can't put a Bible verse uh, on, on the board anymore. Uh, but yet, other religions can come and do whatever they want there. They are even teaching other religion stuff in the curricula today. And they say, in, in the name of a tolerance. Uh, well, you know, there's a persecution there that is happening, that's arising against the Christian because that spirit does not love Christianity. It's, a, it's diametrically opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you have to understand that. And, and if somebody attacks you for not being tolerant, what they're actually saying is we want you to allow us, us to live any which way we want to. And we don't want you to say anything about it. Plus, we want to go into your church and have you change your message too. In the past, they were saying, we just want to be equal like everybody else. They got that. They already have it. Then to, to ratify it, they made it law. But now they're going to the next step. Now we want to hear all your messages. And if you say anything about any other religion or lifestyle, we're going to shut you down. We're going to take away your, your um, status, your not-for-profit status. Is that tolerance? That's persecution. So understand it's happening. So again, don't get angry. Uh, yes, sometimes you have to um, sue them. 
Yes, you have to. Otherwise, uh, if you don't, you don't do any pushback, uh, unfortunately, you lose it all, right? But it's a process. This is going to happen. It's happening right now in Canada. It's happening in Great Britain, in London, in many, of these, in many of these countries. It's already happening. It's far advanced. And now it's coming to our borders. But we need to stand with authority. We need to stand with love. And sometimes, just by you sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, they'll say you're a hater. They'll say you're a phobic something. But don't let that shut you down. Because all they're trying to do is intimidate you and manipulate you to the point where you say nothing. The gospel has to be preached. The reason why they want you to shut down is so that the gospel won't be preached. Because that's the enemy's design. He doesn't want the gospel gospel to come forth. How how many understand that there are more Asians, more Muslims, uh, more Africans, more South and Central American people now being saved than ever before? Are you aware that there's a major move of God all over the world? The Lord Jesus himself many times is appearing to, to many people that are attacking Christianity or whoever it may be. And, and, oh, I didn't know. That's what they say. I didn't know. They don't. Their eyes have been darkened. But praise God. Don't stop praying because there's a major move of God. Now, Channel 7, our witnesses won't tell you that. But take it from me. There's a great move of God all around the world right now. Wherever great sin abounds, great grace does more abound. So they want you to accept them no matter how they live. And it's not a matter of accepting. Because if it was just for that, they would have already been satisfied. They want you to change your way, change your message, but that's not going to happen. The Bible cannot be changed to suit the lifestyle of anybody. I am sorry. That's just the way it is. Amen? amen. amen. And if not amen, then it's an ouch. The, the word is the word. Amen. Well, how can that be? Well, listen, God has an attitude about his word. <laughs> not for nothing. We have, you know, you know what blows me away? What blows me away is we want to change God's word, which, by the way, has been the anchor of society Amen. for thousands of years. Anchor. They want to get rid of the anchor. Once you get rid of truth, what then is truth? Anything. That's called moral relativism. And that's where people are right now. Oh, that's no good. Okay, so then what is good? So they are literally flipping what's good, it's becoming bad. What's bad now is becoming good. I was, it's in scripture. See, so what happens is with that type of thinking, then basically whatever I feel is good, what, what, what if I want to kill somebody? You understand my point? They could fight for it. Right now, they're fighting for things that, that just blow me away. To me, they're so insane. But yet, they're fighting for it right now. Right now, they're, they're, in our nation, they're, they're changing. They they're want to. They're, they're people that are going to um, the, the, the Senate. There, and there's some senators that are agreeing with it. Right now, for example, we know we, in this nation, we have 18 years old. That's legal, consensual sex, right? At 18 years old right now. They want to reduce that. To 10 years old, 11 years old. Oh, yeah. Right now, as we speak, in Congress, right? That's being debated right now. Because the ones that have been uh, classified in the past as, you know, when you, when you uh, have sex with a child, what does that mean? What is that called? Hmm? That community is rising up now and saying, we're normal. This is just an alternate way of viewing our sexuality. This is going on right now in our nation, people. Open up your eyes. 
Open up your eyes. So we need to pray, see, and push back. This is the toughest one I've ever preached. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See? So there are many ways right now that people will talk to you. Well, this is good, this is good. But at the end, it's a way of death. In, in Romans 6, 23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's the devil's plan today? Well, moral relativism. It's destroyed reality, logic, and facts. Now, just for me, I'm from an old school. I'm already going to be 60 in, in two years. And, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at things differently. Today's generation thinks a little different. But I think I stand on solid ground when I say, a boy's bathroom is a boy's bathroom. Amen. And a girl's bathroom is a girl's bathroom. Amen. In my humble opinion, if a man goes to a girl's bathroom, I need to go in there, slap that guy, get him out of there. That does not belong to you. All right. Having said that, the laws have changed. So, now we honor the transgender by law. Fine. So, okay, happy medium. It's a nation that accepts different ways of thinking. Okay, give them their own room. Give him a specific transgender room. Why in the world does this guy, he's a boy, but he feels like a girl. Why should he go to the girls' room? The girls are still good. They want their privacy. This is how crazy we're getting as a nation. You understand my point? They don't want their own room. They want everybody to eat their way of being. And now the kids who are not transgender, they're going to say, well, today I feel transgender, so I want to go into the girls' room. But all they want to do is look at the girls. Listen, I might not be an expert of a lot of things, but I am an expert at being a guy. And we will do whatever it takes, especially when we're teenagers, to get a little glimpse. We will do whatever it takes to get the upper hand. And it's only later that we fight when we're in the Maury show. And the girl's saying, it's yours, it belongs to you. No, 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 no. I don't want responsibility now. <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble now. But the truth of the matter is, his plan, the enemy's plan, is to replace God's kingdom with laws and a strategy to kill, to steal, and destroy. He's destroying our moral bearings, our anchors, and we're just falling into it. We're not seeing it. We're not understanding it. But God's people understand their eyes are blinded. They don't see. We need to pray and preach. Pray and testify. Pray and love. We have to. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In Mark 3.25, it says, if a house is divided, it cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand, Mark 23. So what the enemy is doing is he's getting us to divide on several issues. What are one of the issues he's using to divide this nation today? Just a question. Religious philosophies? Absolutely. Right now there's a war going on that is touching the world based on religion. What's another one? 
Okay. Yes. Abortion has been an issue for many, many years, and it continues to be. Absolutely. How about politics? Something as simple as politics. You're a Republican? Oh, oh, horrible. You're a de Democrat? Oh. Yeah, when, was, when did this become such an abject division? It's all happening now. And, and what about our kids in campuses right now? They're fighting for their rights. They're, 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 they're angry, and, and you know, but their anger is not normal. I, I recognize and I appreciate healthy debate. I recognize and appreciate protests. But when the protest rises to the level of violence and rises to the level of cursing people and spitting at people, not giving both sides an opportunity to discuss, it's no longer about bringing an issue that could bring healing. Now it's just hate being thrown back and forth. And all that's going to produce is what? More hate and violence and death. Another big issue that, that's happening. What else? What have you been seeing? Were you, were you seeing so far what's supposed to be good, but yet it's turning into a big division? What else are you seeing? Oh, horrible. In the old days, even in church, I remember when I was a kid, I came to the Lord at 15. And I, you had to fear the deacons. Oh, yeah. The kids feared the deacons. Because if you were messing around or making noise, they would go right up to you, pull you by the ear, take you right back to your seat where your parents were, and then your parents would then take you to the bathroom right after that. So there was respect, even in the church. In the old days, we'd respect. Now, now having said that today, there, there is a big, um, uh, I, I guess it, it, this, it's almost like a, uh, a demand for there to be highlighted special things that are happening today. And I appreciate that. I, again, I understand a healthy debate, and I understand um, bringing out, highlighting issues that are deadly. I understand that. But why do you have to bring a point and then lose respect for authority? You still have to keep respect for authority. That's godly, it's righteous, it's the right thing to do. You have to respect your elders. People don't respect elders today. The kids don't respect elders. The kids have no respect. And every once in a while, an adult get, loses it and does something stupid. I mean, they have to be the adult in the room, but sometimes even adults have a little bit amount of, you know, maybe they had a bad day in the, at home or they've had a, a whole season. Maybe they're at the point where they're about to pop. And a little kid cursing in your face might be the thing that might push you there, and now that person's got to go to prison because they did the wrong thing. See, so what I'm saying is many times kids play the fool in school and then the teachers call the parents and the parents get angry at the teacher. In the old days, if I played the fool in school, my mother was forced to go to school, she would beat me right at the school in front of the teacher. And, and, and so I would fear... The teacher, because the teacher, I'm going to call your parents. They said, oh, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I'd sit down, I'd behave. There was an re inherent respect that is all but gone today. Amen. Dangerous, dangerous. These are dangerous times. And our kids are learning that. What do you think a kid growing up, what do you think he's going to do when he grows up? Same thing. He's not going to have respect for authority. He's not going to have respect at his workplace. You know? And then now in the workplace, I know because I, I always supervise men. So when I correct them for coming in late, they no longer receive. Many of them don't longer receive the correction. What they do is they get angry at me. And some of them even threaten me. Oh my God. 
Watch your back. Oh, yeah. Watch your back. I said, what are you talking about? Watch your back. I suspended you one day, now I'm going to suspend you three days. Don't be threatening me. Who do you think, who do you think you're talking to? I mean, some, sometimes you have to talk like that. Because they think that you're going to, you know, you're going to, yeah. Then they throw the Christian thing at me. I thought, aren't you a Christian? I say, I'm a Christian, but I'm righteous. And what you're doing is unrighteous. And I'm here to correct it. Sometimes I have to talk like that to men. Because they don't understand that they're irresponsible. That they're 30 and 40 and 50 year old babies. If you're late and you get chastised for being late, suck it up. Take it like a man and say, yes, I've got to correct my bad habits. The other day I heard, uh, not the story, a real situation, one of the supervisors that I know, there's this man just had a hatred for women. And he was a doorman. And he mistreated the women, mistreated the, the, the cleaning ladies and all that. Finally, he gets fired after many, many you know, experiences of being super, uh, um, suspended and everything. Never once did he admit responsibility. And when he got fired, you know what he said? I know the reason why you fired me. Why? Because you guys don't like me. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> we were trying to hide it very well. He had a slew of ladies pointing. That's the guy that, that spoke terribly to me, that insulted me, that, that was dispa- spoke disparagingly to me. He never once even realized it. The stuck in his brain he was, how spoiled, uh, you know, the mindset. My God. What about a, a culture? Around, what about the media? Thank you, sir. Thank you. The media is supposed to be unbiased, and they're just supposed to report the news. And today, they're doing a lot more than that. They're very agenderized, and many times they don't give you the full truth anymore. <clears throat> many times there are pawns of this very process. So it's another thing we need to watch. And when they're saying the news, watch it. Be careful. Don't let it give you any seed of doubt, any seed of hate, any seed of, 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 of losing your, your faith. Be very careful. What about the culture of unforgiveness? Now, I could understand a person of the world hating you and not caring. But for a Christian to be unforgiving, that is a death blow to your faith. You need to be very careful about that. Don't ever allow the enemy to get you to the point of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness has eternal ramifications. The Bible makes it very clear. Even in the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive us our debt as we... As we... As we... Forgive those who offend us. There is an expectation. Once you come into the light, once you understand Almighty God, once you understand His kingdom, it's about forgiveness. Matthew uh, 18, verse 21 and 22. One time Jesus uh, was asked the question, how many times should we forgive, Lord? And the Lord says, 70 times 7 every day. Up to 70 times 7. That was called, you know what that is? That's called hyperbole. You know what hyperbole is? An exaggeration. In other words, Jesus was saying, whatever it takes. If a person sincerely comes to you and asks for forgiveness, you forgive them. See? Now, obviously, some people you can't hang out with because they're messed up. But you have to release that from your heart. You have to release them from that uh, offense. There was one story where where Jesus was sharing the, the absolute 
irony and the importance and the, 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 the power of forgiveness. There was this big king, you know, famous king, and one of, the, one of his subjects come to him that owed him money, um, a big, huge amount of money that the, the person couldn't pay. And he says, come over here. Why haven't you paid me? Oh, forgive me. Forgive me, master. I'm sorry. Says, Tell you what, I'll forgive you. Your debt is canceled. Go. Go your way. A benevolent king. And this is Jesus sharing a story about the kingdom of God, about how actually he's the benevolent king. But then that very servant went to one of his fellow servants and says, where's my money? Because he was owed, I don't know, 100, 200 bucks. Where's my money? Says, I'm sorry, I don't have it at the moment. I promise I'll pay you. No, sorry, go to jail. So this guy was unforgiving. So the story got back to the king. And the king, uh, when, when he heard the story, this guy that you forgave that huge amount could not forgive one of his co-laborers a small amount. Put him in prison. He said, what? He got angry. The king did. Called him back. He says, I forgave you this much, and you couldn't forgive your coworker this much? He says, now you go to prison until you pay back every cent. It says, we send you to the tormentors. Interesting. Unforgiveness has torment. When you refuse to forgive, that pain stays with you. That anger stays with you. It doesn't get released. And then number two, if you do not forgive, God cannot forgive you. So many people thinking that they know God, that they know Jesus, they're going to heaven. Meanwhile, they have a spirit of unforgiveness in them. And they're practicing unforgiveness. That precludes them from entering heaven. Sort of changes the message that we hear many times. Oh, just receive Jesus and you're fine for the rest of your life. Live whatever way you want. No. There are expectations in the kingdom. There are principles in the kingdom of God. And unforgiveness has a lot of us, a lot of Christians, literally tied up in knots of anger and, and torment. But it's by their own design. Because they're refusing when they have an opportunity to forgive. Now, once again, there are some people you, you, you should forgive, but don't hang out with because they're messed up. You have to let go. And the Bible does say that. Some people forgive but hate the clothing they have on. Because some people you cannot fellowship with. They're still messed up. They're still in their mess. But you have to release yourself. And you have to walk in forgiveness. Say this with me. I set my will to forgive each and every day. So that's part of my daily prayer. I remind myself because I never ever want to get caught in that point. Because I have a tendency of holding a grudge. No, you pastor, yeah, I can hold a grudge. I can hold a mean grudge. So I have to remind myself every day, I have to walk in forgiveness. Hallelujah. All of this has arisen to separate people from God. And then there was, what's, what's about the other one? We don't need God. Remember that one? We don't need God. Have you been seeing that lately? We don't need God. We're smart. We're, we're smart. Psalms 14, 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So a person that says, I don't need God or there is no God, is setting himself up. So that's another thing we have to watch out for. Proverbs 1, 7, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Wow, the Bible calls them fools. They're saying that we're ignorant for believing in God, yet the Bible says they're fools for not believing in Him. Which one are you going to you know, take? Which one are you going to trust? Human beings that, you know, we're ignorant, our eyes of our understanding, you know, darkened, 
or Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, Amen. the one that created all of heaven and earth, all the stars. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. The other thing is anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism we have to be careful about because there has been much said about the Jewish people and you know, there have been, in history, you see many atrocities on every area, in every realm. But one thing the Bible makes very clear. When God selects a people, he selects them because of his own love, because of, because of his own grace. When he selected Abram, he did that. Abram didn't select him. He selected Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to create a nation from you. And see, he was friends with God. And he says, those that bless you, I will bless. And those that curse you, I will curse. So out of respect and deference for that specific nation that God wanted to raise up through Abraham, I will pray for that nation. I will bless that nation. Amen. Amen. Now, are there fools in that nation? Absolutely. There are fools in every nation. You know why? Because wherever you see a human, you have a potential fool. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? But what I will respect are the principles in God's kingdom. And what happens is America has become increasingly intolerant of Israel. I am concerned for America because of that. Because God said, whoever blesses Israel, I will bless. Whoever curses Israel, I will curse. I am very concerned about that. So I pray that our nation understand they are not only our ally, there's a great move of God that's going to happen upon these people whose eyes have been darkened, many of them, right? But there's a move of God also in Israel right now. More and more people are coming to saving faith in Yeshua HaMashiach, the, the Lord Jesus, who was an American. He wasn't from the Bahamas. He, he, he wasn't from Puerto Rico. He wasn't from Peru. He was a Jew. And he came to the Jew first and then the Gentile. In other words, his love is to the whole world, but he came to them first out of his respect and honor for the word that was spoken to Abraham. In Zechariah 14, it says that all nations, there's coming a time where all nations will come against Israel. You can read it yourself. <clears throat> Zechariah 14. It says, when the nations all come against Israel, says that God himself is going to fight for Israel. And God himself is going to defeat the nations. Now, not for nothing, but if God says it's coming at you, I would really, really be concerned. You understand? But what I'm noticing is, see, I'm not going to tell you Jesus is coming tomorrow, he's coming next week, but I am noticing that there seems to be this thing, this process, where more and more nations are coming against Israel. I'm going, huh, interesting. Could it be? When I look at all the scenarios, everything that's happening on a global scale now, it just seems to infer to me that we're looking at last day events. Now, Last day meaning that the imminent return of the Lord Jesus, whether it's a year, five years, 10 years, 15 or 20 years, it looks like it's positioning itself for that time. So what's our response to that? If we're seeing this process, should we get angry as Americans and say, that's not the way it was? Forget it. Nations rise and fall. No, Jesus said, when you see these things, lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. So the answer, the answer is several things. Number one, we have to become a grateful people. We have to become a people that appreciate the grace of God. Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace that comes from God, from Christ, rule your hearts. 
For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all his riches fill your lives and teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns like we did today and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Don't allow the world system to affect your heart. Don't allow it to get you angry. Don't allow it to get you hateful. Keep your peace. Let Christ reflect from you in this day. Then it says also in John uh, chapter 8, when, he, when they caught the woman in adultery. By the way, they caught the man too. You can't have adultery unless you, you have a partner there. But they singled out the woman. And they, asked, they, they brought the woman to Jesus. Uh, what are you going to do? The law says you have to stone this woman. So Jesus, he bowed down a moment to the ground, and he started writing something yeah, on the ground. Some theologians believe he started writing out the sins of those that were there. But when he started writing, he says, the first one of you that doesn't have any sin, cast the stone. One by one, they started leaving. You know why? They all had sin. They all were as guilty as sin. But they were testing Jesus. See, oh, you're teaching love? You're going to stone it? Let me, let me see if we catch him. They thought this was the Solomonic, you know, uh, uh, like test to catch him. But he threw a Solomonic answer right back at them. You see? And what does he say to the lady? He says, go and sin no more. I forgive you. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, when God forgives us, let us not go back to our old lifestyles. Amen. Let us start changing because we love him. Let us start changing our attitudes, our actions, our way of talking, our way of thinking. Let us now start conforming to Christ little by little. He's patient with you. You can't become a champion Christian in one day. But at least start the process. Let him know that you're, you're grateful. Let him know that you're sincerely trying. You understand? That's what he expects of us. The other thing he expects, he says, shall we continue to sin because of grace, because we're forgiven? In Romans 6, 1 and 2, it says, what shall we do then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? And it says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? See? In other words, part of our life change is that the things that were sinned to us before, we're going to start pushing away. See? If I used to smoke before, Coming to church now, I'm still smoking because it's a habit. But little by little, I'm going to work to get myself out of that. Why? Because it's a sin to your own body. Yes. It's affecting you. It's going to cut your life short. Yes. And you want to be around long enough. You want to be, you, you be here for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren if you can. Yes. Little by little, you're going to start getting rid of that. If you used to take cocaine before, you're going to get rid of that because that stuff, that's a hallucinogenic and it, it's going to kill you a lot quicker. <laughs> you understand? If you were a hater before, if you used to curse before, now you're going to start to change your language. Because you love God now. And the Spirit of God is now speaking through your voice. So you can't have sweet water and bitter water together. Hello? Anybody? We've got to, we, we have to start amending our words. Mm, my God. Romans 6, verse 12 and 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments to, unto unrighteousness, unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as, instru as instruments of righteousness unto God. God. So thank, what does that have to do with thanksgiving? It has everything to do with thanksgiving. Right. 
Because when you're thankful to God, you're going to obey Him. You're going to submit to the Word of God and the principles of God, and you're going to start conforming to His glory and His grace. And when He sees that we're truly thankful, and part of the thankfulness is actually being what He called us to be. He will use us mightily in life. He will bless us. He'll bless our families. And then truly, other people will then become thankful because they'll receive Christ because of your life. Because you're now modeling it for real. You're not a secret service Christian. That's right, I'm a Christian, but nobody's going to find out. No, we're supposed to be light. And light is supposed to shine in the center of the room so the whole light can, the whole room can get the benefit. My God. Amen. So, in closing, it says, In my Father's house, there are many mansions. He is preparing a place for us. Say that to your neighbor. He's preparing a place. He's a, so, we're thankful for that, too. He said in Matthew 15, Whoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother, my sister, and mother. <clears throat> you missed that one. You missed it. I'm going to say it again. Whoever shall do the will of my Father. Not those who just say. The ones who do. The ones who do the will of my Father. The same as my brother, my sister, and my mother. Does God know what you do in your private place? See, it doesn't make a difference what you tell me. Oh, I'm this. No. What makes a difference is what God sees you do in the private place. That's what, the, excuse me, what determines whether you are true brother, sister, or mother to Jesus, so to speak. In other words, family. My God. Romans 10, 11, those who receive and believe. The message is clear, very close at hand, it says. It is on your lips and in your heart. On your lips, confess, your heart, the way you live. True belief. The message is the very message about faith that we preach. That if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith to the world, to everybody, your family, your friends. Openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And the scripture tells us this, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. That's what the word says. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're thankful about, that he died on the cross. But he rose again the third day. And he lives at the right hand of the Father right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. And those that receive him, confess him with his mouth, believe in their hearts, and then correspondingly now begin that change in their life. Those are the ones that on that day, he'll say, come to me. Come, enter my kingdom. Enter the joy of your Lord.